This is Media Business Matters, the podcast that explores why recent news in the media business matters to people who love media. I'm Amanda Lotz. And I'm Alex Entner. In this episode, we continue our series on public media with a conversation from Laura Walker. Laura joined us from New York, New York, where she is the president and CEO of New York Public Radio, the largest public radio station in the nation. Laura, thank you very much for joining us on Media Business Matters. I'm really happy to be here. Laura, we've had conversations with other aspects of of public media. We've talked with Lynette Clemenson about how podcasts became a strategic part of NPR service, uh, with Tamar Charney about the development of the NPR One app and how new technologies can serve public media audiences in new ways, and with BBC editor John Shields about many of these issues in the UK context. We're really pleased to have you join us and offer yet another angle to this conversation, that of the perspective of a local station. And of course, New York Public Radio and WNYC isn't a typical local venture, but can you describe the scope of the services and initiatives that you manage? Sure. We're uh, the second largest distributor of national radio programming and the second largest podcast producer in the country. Uh, We have, uh, I think, about 20-plus podcast and radio uh, brands that we produce, including Radiolab and Freakonomics and... um, on the media, uh, a ton of different shows. Uh, Plus, we have eight radio stations in New York and New Jersey, both uh, news and talk and uh, classical music. So before WNYC Studios um, was founded, other entities like NPR distributed shows like On the Media and Radiolab. So what led to the decision to build your own distribution structure and distribution arm instead of continuing to rely on a national known distributor like NPR? Well, I guess I, I, we see it differently in some ways. We've always produced those shows. We've owned them and we've produced them, Radiolab and On the Media. Frankly, the distribution of the shows to the national radio uh, network was done through NPR because it was kind of a place uh, that had the capability of doing that. As, you know, technology developed, um, it was really easy to get that technology, and it was cheaper for us to distribute them than for NPR. Frankly, in that case, NPR was really, you know, they were kind of somebody who took the shows that we owned and produced and distributed them through the satellite system to to stations. So now we're doing that ourselves because we can save money and not have to pay a middleman. That's kind of what it's about. You know, and they never were, in those two shows, they weren't uh, co-producers or or editorial partners. Let's talk a little bit about how you program uh, WNYC Studios. What do you look for in a show for WNYC Studios? I hope that we uh, what we uh, produce has a mark of both uh, personality and also of quality in terms of quality of uh, you know kind of the it's, whether it's talking about the Supreme Court in More Perfect and and how gun control uh, or, or the Second Amendment came about and and uh, where the Supreme Court uh, made decisions around the, the Second Amendment or whether it's about racial profiling in. Uh, some of our shows, or it's about Google and Facebook testifying in front of Congress. We're taking, you know, issues that really matter and and having, you know, personalities, as you say, curate uh, in, in a way and, and uh, be your guide. 
I was interested to read your opinion piece in the Columbia Journalism Review this spring, which was focused on local public radio as America's last public square. In the most disconcerting part of all of my studies of digital distribution across media industries has been that the consequence of their advantage that they aggregate geographically diverse audiences seems to be that they offer no aid to local media businesses, which are struggling now more than ever and still crucial regardless of media form. What opportunities exist for storytellers in the small in-between places in America that don't have access to a station with WNYC's support? Well, I mean, I guess the way I see it is that every station across the country is becoming either the second newspaper or the first newspaper, if you will, in their communities. So, so, so I think we, number one, have to step back and say, how do we not just fill a void for in local journalism, because I think what's happening around the country is that as newspapers are folding or uh, shrinking, you know, journalism at the local level is suffering. And that is really uh, a danger, I think, to our democracy. And so I think, number one, the public radio stations all around the country, and I know that my colleagues in Alaska and in the smallest cities in, you know, Indiana and Utah are thinking about this with a great deal of focus and clarity. And uh, we, I think, need to be leading kind of a model each in our own communities about how do we find those voices how do we uh, partner with existing newspapers or other journalism organizations to make sure that our communities are informed and that we also use this kind of digital revolution and, and mobile technology that we have to kind of engage people in civic conversation? Um, so I would hope that voices all around the country, people who have stories to tell, can do that with their stations. The other thing that they can do, and this is the beauty of podcasting, is that anybody can create a podcast. You know, you don't need a distributor. You don't need a station. You don't need to be on the radio. You can just do it. Yeah, sure. So you, let, let's get a little bit into the nitty gritty here um, about something you talked a little bit about. So how how does an effort like WNYC Studios complement other um, WNYC, both digital efforts like your your very strong data reporting team, and other thing, other partnerships you mentioned, like your partnership with ProPublica. So, I mean, we see it as a kind of a whole, a fabric of uh, journalism is about reporting. It's about digging deep. It's about asking those questions. It's about going out and reporting a story. Another part of the overall journalism effort is to tell those stories. And whether we tell them as pieces within Morning Edition or let's just take a, an example of gentrification and we talk about kind of income inequality and certain issues that of the day in the in Morning Edition and All Things Considered, but we're doing a podcast. We did a podcast called uh, There Goes the Neighborhood. Um, which looked at gentrification in Brooklyn, um, and we did that as a podcast. We did it also as a radio series uh, on on air. We did it as a call in where we asked people to uh, to kind of you know be part of it. So we see WNYC Studios. It is a separate kind of entity, if you will, within the organization, but it's very much tied to the journalism and the data journalism and the data journalism. You know that we. 
that so uh, an example of um, where we've used data journalism recently is that we one of our reporters was working with the data journalists to understand what was going on in the in Brooklyn in looking at kind of some the people that were registered to vote and and found that there were as many as 120,000 people that were missing off the Brooklyn voter rolls. Now that's because we have a data journalist working alongside a reporter who is kind of asking questions and they're digging deep and then they find hey it looks like these folks are missing and and then the reporter will ask the board of election you know, certain questions and then talk to uh, Attorney General Eric Schneiderman's office to say, are you aware of this? And and then as happened, Eric Schneiderman kind of basically took it on and now there are reforms. So, you know, I, I, that's, a, that's a really great example of a kind of a news cycle uh, and data journalism alongside with a, of a reporter. Um, but narrative journalism and podcasting is also part of that. All of this innovation in, in form and, and moving aggressively into podcasts as well as regular programs uh, it has to be expensive. Are you looking at and can you pinpoint what revenue is coming in um, because of the podcast specifically? Is, do you feel like in the long term that might at some point um, become a, a greater source of income than what has come what comes in because of the traditional terrestrial radio broadcasting? So, so, you know, look, we have a whole team that, that develops business models and uh, strategy around the, the podcast, and, and we have a whole team that sells uh, underwriting sponsorship on the podcast. So, yes, we absolutely 100% track everything. Um, our business model for podcasts is a, a variation of our business model of public radio, of the, as, a, as you call it, a local station. We have three major sources of revenue. We have sponsorship, we have membership, we have philanthropy. In the case of uh, podcasts, we've been very intentional about planning to disrupt ourselves, if you will, and create a very strong podcast unit. And the podcast unit also does radio. So it's really about studios of audio production. And we are kind of we we are in the middle of a campaign where we're raising millions of dollars to, uh, support the creation and piloting of shows and with the full expectation and with clear business models around how do you then create a self-sustaining model around these shows. And that's what we do. You know, a self-sustaining model has many millions of dollars in, in, in sponsorship and look, we're building more and more membership around podcasts. And some of our podcasts like uh, More Perfect, for example, which is about the Supreme Court, has ongoing philanthropy from, say, the Joyce Foundation. We're very intentional about all of it. What are the biggest challenges that WNYC will face in the future, and what are the challenges of launching your own distribution arm? You know, the challenges are really more around kind of raising the money to, which we are, it's not a, I mean, we're doing that to raise the money to be able to do the kind of quality production that we want. Um, I think it is um, getting the best talent and keeping the best talent is one of the, the challenges. Uh, frankly, there aren't that many shops that have, that do really great audio yet. And um, so everyone looks to us to find people to hire. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're attracting the best and keeping the best. Um, I think the the challenge on the distribution arm is 
if, if what you mean for the, you mean radio distribution or, or podcast distribution? Uh, if you could answer both, that would be great. Sure. I mean, on the radio distribution side, it's, I think, the fact that stations across the country have limited uh, program schedules and getting anything on in any consistent kind of fashion is always been difficult. But there's nothing new about that. I think on the podcast side, it's really exciting to be among the very largest uh, podcast studios. And so I think a lot of people are are looking at us and we look at a couple of others uh, for inspiration about how to best do it. But, you know, we, um, I think, are proud to be leading the way in terms of uh, sponsorship for podcasts and and membership and uh, you know we want to we always want more data we want to know what our audiences are thinking we want to figure out how to do piloting uh, in the most focused way um, frankly the biggest challenge probably is that everybody wants to do a podcast and of half of that everybody seems to want to do it with us so what do we choose and what do we say no to and how do we focus our time that's the that's probably the biggest challenge. Those in some ways seem like good problems to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's at a very exciting time. And one of the the big questions in the U.S. around public media right now, of course, is is the new budget. And how would funding cuts from uh, to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting affect what you're able to do at WNYC? Well, I think funding cuts, you know, from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting would be would be really really difficult for us and for a lot of our uh, colleagues. I mean, it, we get about $3 million or more from the federal government, and it's hard to replace. I think it's even harder for my colleagues in Alaska, say, where uh, more than half of their budget comes from the federal government. You know, they have a huge territory to cover and to, you know, both in terms of the signal and various different stations and in terms of news and everything. And not by any means, not it's not dense, a densely populated area. So their, their membership um, up in Alaska is, can only be uh, small because they have so many fewer people. But I think that it is essential right now that we as a nation kind of think about how do we make sure that there is media that is rooted in communities around the country. Uh, And public media is, in many, many cases, the only local media that is doing any local or community news. And it is essential that we figure out how not just to kind of keep it alive, but to, to make sure that stations around the country thrive. When we spoke with Lynette Clementson, she noted that the podcasts were certainly bringing in a younger group of listeners to NPR. Are you seeing the same thing with uh, supporters? Um, Are young people supporting in greater numbers as members? Yes, absolutely. 100%. Great. Laura Walker, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Really appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. I, I wish you best of luck with your podcast and with your class. And now it's time for the last segment of each and every show, What We're Watching This Week. Amanda, what are you watching? I have most recently watched a movie. Not actually gone to a theater, but did pay per view or rent, whatever we do now in this digital era, and I watched The Big Sick. That is a fantastic movie. I agree. It 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 was perfect. 
Yeah, just really smart, really funny. I saw it in a relatively crowded theater in the auditorium of the Michigan Theater. That was a great experience. I was just really struck by how it was a romantic comedy and how much more you can do and how little I've come to expect and how much is possible out of that form. How about you, Alex? What have you been watching? Well, I've also, well, I've been to the movies recently, and I caught two pictures that are currently in theaters. The first one is The Florida Project. So the movie sets in kind of the underbelly of Disney World with Brooklyn Prince as as the daughter of a mom, and they're living in a motel outside Disney World, and it's a, it's a slice of life drama in a really real way. It's not really, like, dramatic or intense, but it it really is just a perfect portrayal of that part of American life, you know. It deals with being not that wealthy. They live week to week in the hotel. It's, it's just a really smart film. And I also saw Lady Bird the day before we're recording this, and that is another just beautiful portrayal of a certain slice of life. The picture with Saoirse Ronan and Laurie Metcalf playing daughter and mother, um... Ronan goes to Catholic school, and it's a coming-of-age drama for her taking place over the course of her senior year. It's just a really good portrayal of a coming-of-age story. Another another genre that's very well-worn, but this movie felt fresh. It felt real. Greta Gerwig's writing was so sharp, and her her direction was great as well. I, I thought it was a really good movie, and the people who I was with, um, one of whom went to Catholic school, did as well. Well, we'll have to do an upcoming episode and see if there's anything changing in the media business that explains such great films. (laughs) And that's it for this week's edition of Media Business Matters. If you want to learn more about Media Business Matters, you can go to amandalots.com and click on the podcast link at the top of the page. If you want new episodes of the show delivered into your feed as soon as they're available, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and on the Google Play Store. And if you listen to us on those platforms, please rate and review us. It helps new listeners find the show. Amanda, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? At Dr. TV Lots, D-R-T-V-L-O-T-Z. And you can find our guest today, Laura Walker, at L Walker. That's L-W-A-L-K-E-R. You can find me at Alex Entner. That's Alex I-N-T-N-E-R. We'd like to thank WNYC engineer Bill O'Neill for recording Laura's side of the conversation. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be be back in two weeks with a wrap on our public media series.